All right, everybody. Hello and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're here recording on the Sunday evening for our July 13th episode, episode number 52. Uh, we got the whole crew together here after a, a spicy, spicy hot weekend here, and we'll see how the how the fells made out with the heat, and then we'll uh, we'll get ourselves going into what we're going to call too hot to handle. We got a handful of hot takes in a row here. And uh, we've got the boys, we're going to kind of uh, maybe have a little bit of a rebuttal back and forth to see uh, what side of the of the coin, uh, I guess, you want to be on and and what's more likely to happen. So we'll get into that segment in a bit here, but we'll say hello to everybody first. Uh, we'll say hello to Armin first. Armin, I know you mentioned you had a wedding this weekend. I unfortunately I could not attend that that wedding. I was in Saskatoon, but uh, how, how was the weekend for you? Oh, it was uh, fantastic. Uh few days before the wedding, uh, my wife and I went uh, to Saskatoon ourselves and stayed at the travel lodge there and uh, did some water sliding and it was a, it was a blast. Got the little guy down the slide for the first time ever. Couldn't tell if he liked it or not. Um, he kind of had this like in-between phase of like, oh, this is kind of cool, but also terrifying. So well, we'll see in the future what that, what it holds for him. And then, yeah, the wedding was a blast. We got my mom up to babysit the the little guy and so it was uh we used it as a date night for the missus and i and we danced the night away and oh it was it was good it was a lot of fun that's awesome that's awesome then uh zach cover yourself actually you know what i have happened to be able to catch catch a glimpse of zach <laughs> while i was driving through saskatoon we were stopped at a lights and uh, what's, what's that area of town called zach oh like Stonebridge. stone bridge all of a sudden i'm like man it looks like zach i look over we both kind of do a double take and get each other look like Oh, hey, it's you. Rolled the window down, <laughs> did an awkward 15-second conversation, and then we peeled our other ways off the lights. But how was the weekend for you, Zach? Uh, it was good. That might have been the high, highlight of my weekend, seeing your <laughs> mug in Saskatoon. Oh, the awkwardly look over at him. He rolls the window down. He goes, yeah, I thought that was you, that ugly guy in that truck. I was like, yeah, nail on the head. He hit it right there. <laughs> you looked like you were definitely feeling it from the night before. Yeah, it was a tough go. I was uh, I was in Saskatoon all weekend helping out with my buddy, uh, one of my like really good friends. Both of them, the the bride and the groom, are both very good friends of mine. Um, so I was there helping out get set up, and I was definitely battling the heat. That was for sure. Like I was just saying, it was uh, Friday. It was like thirty nine degrees during setup, and we were in a barn, so it was uh, it was less than awesome. And then Saturday was uh, was a hot one too. So it was uh, it was a warm warm weekend, but it was awesome to celebrate. Uh, my, my two friends obviously tying the knot together and I emceed. So I had nervous, <laughs> nervously going through my speech and that things went well. And, and actually the, the bride is going to be emceeing my wedding uh, coming up here right away too. So it's, it, it's awesome. It's an awesome weekend, but glad to be here talking a little football. So funny, actually I was just thinking too, like I was going through the calendar, like, okay, yeah, we dropped this on the 13th. By the time we record episode 53, I'll be married too. So we got this episode. Ooh. Next weekend, um, we'll have like a little bit of our last minute prep stuff, and then the weekend following, the big day. So it's gonna be right now between masters classes and wedding prep and all that extra stuff. It's it's a nightmare. But talking football today is gonna be the highlight of my next couple of weeks. That's for sure. At least talking, uh, bring down the stress levels. We gotta say sorry to all the the ladies out there who wanted to get in on the the three hundred six uh, fantasy football. Uh, the last eligible bachelor is tying a knot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good too. Like I'm, I would say like two of our big, big like uh, fans of the podcast too are actually in the wedding party. So 
might have to get a like a little 306 uh 306 picture at the wedding or something like that i'll be good one maybe wear the hat for the reception see how that goes <laughs> that one but um i guess regardless we'll uh we can get things going here a little bit um we'll do insiders and headliners once again there's just a couple things to talk about a few big things uh but still we're kind of just waiting in that little that lull um just waiting for all of the like you know the camp news and stuff to start coming through but uh, the first one is terry mclaurin signed an extension uh worth 71 million dollars over a three-year uh extension so terry mclaurin this was kind of expected that he was going to get paid either before the season or sometime throughout the year because he was going to be an eligible uh free agent this upcoming year uh so terry mclaurin getting the bag there and then baker mayfield this one was like it's been expected for quite some time, and but finally it has come to fruition that he has been traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers. So the, I guess the deal ends up kind of working out that they split the financial uh, obligations of his contract, and then in return they also get a fifth round, uh, conditional fifth round compensation for Baker Mayfield. So we'll talk a little bit about this because I know we're going to talk a little bit more about it uh, later on in the episode, the kind of timing of this worked perfectly. But um, I know Armin, we, uh, we were chatting a little bit about this and you think that this is Baker's job to win. Is, is that correct? Yeah. You know, everyone knows my thoughts on Sam Darnold from my hot takes last year. And um, I, I really don't think he, he's a guy. He's an NFL quality starter in the NFL is, Days are behind him here, and I think yeah, Mayfield has the upper hand going into camp here for sure. In in my books, and um, he's he's proven to be able to win at the NFL level. Whereas uh, old Sammy Boy there is, uh, I don't think he's ever had a winning season. So then, Zach, I guess quick question for you too. Um, obviously, comparing previously, maybe with your Sam Darno um, thoughts, or I guess whoever else could have been. Uh, starting quarterback in, uh, I don't know if you had the rookie uh, Corral kind of pegged in there at all or not but obviously pre-trade to post-trade here um, a hot commodity a hot topic now is DJ Moore uh, do you have him kind of penciled in in a similar mindset now or, or are you moving DJ Moore up in your rankings a little bit I for me I don't think it changes terribly too much um, if you're somebody that is a DJ Moore truther and you really believe in that talent um, maybe this moves them up a little bit, but if you're somebody that <clears throat> maybe isn't a huge fan of DJ Moore or, or what have you, this probably doesn't move the needle much one way or the other. Um, I think both quarterbacks have shown that at times they can move the ball. Uh, Darno had a pretty good relationship with Roddy Anderson in New York, uh, several years ago, um, gave him a thousand yard season or two, if I'm not mistaken. So both guys have shown the ability to be productive quarterbacks, but I don't think one's a major upgrade uh, over the other, frankly, at this point. I'll, uh, I'll save my two cents and my rebuttal for maybe at the end. Like I said, I got, I got a little bit of a spice coming here, and this might be actually arguably one of my spicier takes I've ever dropped on the pod here. So even Armin at the start said, hey, that one's pretty spicy. I'm like, hey, if Armin's telling me it's spicy, it might be a little bit out there, but we'll see. I, I will say this, though. Um, like the compensation that they gave up for Mayfield, a, a conditional fifth is considerably better business than what they gave up for, for Darno and the uh, just last year. Right after too. Um, yeah, like a sixth, a second, and a fourth for Darno to replace him 
one year later with a conditional fifth round pick. So much better business this time around. Um, but I do think the best business would have been to draft uh, Justin Fields or, or Mac Jones uh, when they had the opportunity last offseason. Dig that knife a little bit deeper for all those Carolina <laughs> Panther fans listening at home. Um, you know, uh, anything else here, fellas? It's, I mean, it's that awkward time right now. Insiders and headliners, a little bit, a little bit on the shorter side. There's not a lot to talk about. Once you get the camp stuff, there's going to be going there. But I'm going to throw this one in there. I don't know if you guys seen it on Twitter or not, but I think this is absolutely hilarious. Um, so the, um, oh my goodness, the name escaped me. New York Giants or New York Jets quarterback. Um, so oh, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Do you see and those his buddy? So he broke up with his girlfriend or whatever. So ex-girlfriend kind of sprinkles out into the into the news out there that was his mom's best friend. Is that what it was? Mom's no, no, it was his buddy's, buddy's mom. mom. Yeah. So either way, if it's either his mom's best friend or his friend's mom, regardless, doesn't change the story that much. But he ended up. Uh, having some friendly alone time with, we'll call it that, with one of the moms. And somehow that story was kept secret, but the ex-girlfriend dropped it out there. And some, if, you, if you're if you bored or if you got some spare time, go on Twitter and go and look at some of these tweets and the conversations that are happening. Oh, there's some really funny comments, especially because, you know, he attended BYU, the Cougars. So there's a lot of Cougar tweets and all. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of good the good fun in, the, in some of these tweets out there. So if you're a real bored, go out there and look at some because, man, I was giggling all afternoon. I think my favorite one was the picture of him uh, before the draft in a suit in the bathroom mirror. And then it had superimposed one of his old tweets saying, go Cougars from like three years ago. And then all- him. There's like the tweet was like all caps too, wasn't it? Like yeah, yeah, go Cougs or whatever. Yeah, oh, so good. A whole new <laughs> meaning was like some of the captions. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. If if you need a spare moment or if you need a good giggle, that's that's gonna be your source of entertainment for the next twenty four hours. Uh, but that's how slow news is right now. That's something for us to talk about and have a good giggle. But that was the biggest piece of news that happened over the weekend. So uh, I guess other than the conversation that happened around Darno, but or Darno and Baker, so. Um, but you know, uh, we'll get things going into our next little segment here. Um, we captured this one too hot to handle because it's three different hot takes with, uh, obviously counter arguments for both or for, for both sides of the, obviously the hot take. Um, so we predetermined a little bit here on who wanted to argue each side based on kind of what side you're leaning on. Uh, so I'm going to start this one off and, uh, my hot take is uh, one that's a little close to near and dear to my heart. I'm wearing the hat today. So <laughs> Detroit Lions talk, it's your your daily dose of Detroit Lions. And I just uh, my, it in, in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we went the last episode we went without it. So my, you know, at least we got one episode out of the first 52 out of the way. But uh, my hot take on this one is that DeAndre Swift is going to finish as a top five running back in fantasy football points this upcoming 2022 season. So a little bit of prep, a uh, little bit of like prelude to this, I suppose, um, you know, he's missed a lot of time due to injury. He's, he's on that fringe of getting the injury um, tag, you know, when people are just ready to write a guy off because he's injury prone all the time. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, background information, and then I'm going to let Zach and Armin kind of maybe tell you what side of the coin they're on. And then they're going to argue back and forth uh, to see, uh, to maybe give you information from both sides of, of the perspective. So, DeAndre Swift is now entering his third season in the in the NFL with the Detroit Lions. In 2020, he played 13 games. In 2021, he played 13 games as well. 
In 2020, he had 114 attempts for five, uh, 521 yards. He had eight touchdowns and two, uh, sorry, and three fumbles. In 2021, he had 151 attempts, uh, 617 yards, and he had five touchdowns with two fumbles. But one thing that uh, Swift is very good at and very capable, which helps in the fantasy perspectives, is he's a good receiving back. Uh, in 2020, he got 46 receptions on 57 targets for 357 yards and two touchdowns. And in 2021, he had 62 receptions for 70, oh, what's on, sorry, on 78 targets, 452 yards and two touchdowns as well. So there's a lot of consistency throughout his statistics, 13 games played, 13 games played, um, a couple of touchdowns, some fumbles, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty consistent, but so far throughout the fantasy years, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, especially this past season in 2021, uh, only playing 13 games. Um, I'm going to go half point PPR just for argument's sake here. Uh, but he played 13 games and he finished as, sorry, I just had it and my finger flashed on me. I apologize. Was number 19, wasn't it? Uh, 15 and half point PPR scoring. So DeAndre Swift and still in 13 games uh, in 2021, finished as the RB15. Uh, so he was highly toted as a premier back during the uh, during the draft time. And I was very excited when my Detroit Lions drafted him. Unfortunately, hasn't been able to stay healthy. So the parameters around this argument is he's going to miss some time. All running backs miss time. It's very, very seldom that a running back is capable of playing the entire season without missing one game. So when we say running backs have a full season, they're going to miss one or two games. That's what it is. But obviously only 13 games and 13 games. He's missing around at least four to five games. Obviously, we transition to one additional game in the NFL season. So uh, we're going to preface that, that he'll probably miss one or two games, which is just pretty standard for running backs across the board. But he's going to have a healthy season. So you can't obviously keep um, the health. The health is in the baked into, obviously, the argument here. But he will, well, he'll probably miss, let's say, miss one or two games. Obviously, Zach is on the, uh, or I should say obviously, but Zach is on the opposition of Swift and our, uh, Armand is going to be arguing for Swift, but I'm saying that obviously Zach will utilize probably the injury concerns in there, but we're just prefacing that for this to hit, it needs to be within a healthy season. So uh, I don't know who, which one of you guys want to go first and maybe start the argument. I guess I've already started maybe talking about Zach's. So maybe you want to go first. Sure. So uh, when this was posed to me, the first thing I did was I reviewed the, the top five running backs from last season. Uh, those were J, uh, JT Eckler, Mixon, Najee Harris, and James Conner. Um, I think of those five, I figure the, the top four are pretty well cemented in that spot. Uh, James Conner does worry me a little bit. He's very touchdown dependent, having 15 on the year and only 752 rush yards, um, but oh, still behind. I, I made that mistake. You were right. He was 19 and half point. He was 15 and full point. So uh, my apologies. So I'm no sure problem. that might help your argument even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so behind uh, James Conner, who finished uh, fifth overall, there's the likes of Zeke Elliott, Fernet, Kamara, uh, Chubb, uh, Aaron Jones, Damian Harris, Dalvin Cook. Uh, that doesn't even go into uh, considering CMC and Derrick Henry, who both missed huge chunks of time uh, and both, you know, giving them the same benefit of the doubt here that we're giving Swift with, with health and injury wise. Both of those guys are primed to be bare minimum top 10 talent, I would say uh, for next season. So 
not, it's not that I don't think Swift can do it necessarily, but I think for him to uh, creep into the top five, he's going to have to dethrone a lot of the running backs that we've come to expect and maybe take for granted his top five players at their position. Uh, I have a little bit more to say, but how about I throw it over to Armand for his uh, two cents. Yeah, we'll, All hear, right. we'll hear Armin's opening uh, opening argument here. <laughs> I uh, it it is a spicy take, and I do like a good challenge here. So um, Zach mentioned the guys in the top five that he would have to overtake, and um, and then one name that kind of pops out is is Najee Harris, and I think that is kind of the path to Swift becoming that top five RB is how Najee did it last year. Uh, Najee wasn't very um, efficient in his touches. Um, That whole offense wasn't very efficient, but he got a ton of touches. And in that Detroit backfield, when Swift was healthy, he, he was the guy getting the majority of the touches in that offense. And then you also look at who his quarterback is and Jared Goff and how he likes to um, nickel and dime um, the ball down the field with his RBs, do those little dump-off passes. And that in half-point PPR is what I'm going with here is, is a great asset to have in your, in your running back. Um, some, some other things to kind of take away here is um, some, some of the guys ahead of him, like, Eckler um, and Connor are, are both having to have to compete for touches this year. Um, the Chargers drafted Spiller, who I didn't like as a prospect, but he is the opposite type of running back that Eckler is. And I think it shows that uh, Eckler is going to have some touches um, vultured <laughs> away from him, especially in the red zone. Um, from the big bruising back of Isaiah Spiller. Um, James Conner um, has competition coming in um, to push for, for touches, and he's also never been a guy that's been um, reliable to be a huge workhorse guy. Um, he just um, last year was really efficient with his catches more than anything. Um, you look at his yards per attempt last year, and they were actually – awful at 3.7 yards per carry which is one of the worst in the top 20 tied with um alvin Kamara. um so i i think there there definitely is a path for for swift to be in that top five conversation with his owning of the backfield there and a lot of rbs not really owning the backfield um it's very rare to see um, these days in the NFL. Okay, so I'm going to add another piece of information to this, and then I'll give you guys one more opportunity to try and seal the deal here and see if maybe you persuaded me a little bit. So when I was originally kind of toying with this idea, uh, I think RB7 is where I'm comfortably putting him. I think, you know, I think he he's going to be RB7 on the season, but to make things a little more spicy, you know, top five sounds a little better. So uh, top five is where I kind of pegged him, but I'm adding this additional piece of information and we're going to see where this argument goes from here. So <clears throat> last season, obviously finishing as the RB 19 after missing time, uh, he averaged 13.7 points per game. 
So if I add those points per game to a to the time he had missed, if he would have played, it would have pegged him just behind James Conner. Uh, James Conner finished the season with 239.2 fantasy points, and that would have put him, um, I think it was two points I just had right here, 232.7. So he'd have been behind him by give or take 5.2 points, something like that. And he would have been ahead of Zeke, who finished as uh, the RB6. He would have finished ahead of him by uh, about 5.3 points or 6.1 or something along those lines. So obviously we're talking about missing time. And, and I don't think we'd say DeAndre Swift was uh, an unbelievable back, even while he's healthy. He was a good back, but um, the traits I think that are going to make him successful are what he's going to have to lean on, like uh, was already argued. So adding in that additional time, I think it puts a picture where he could have been if he would have um, maybe sustained the season or at least as close to the season as possible. He's kind of in that mix. Um, so utilizing some of this information, where where's the counter argument there, Zach? So when he was healthy, and I did make uh, like a similar argument uh, prior to this segment here. I looked up uh, weeks one to 11. He was averaging 15.8 half point PPR uh, points per game, which would have put him at running back five on the year last year, I believe, um, just using that you know point per game average uh, from when he was healthy, not including week 12 where he only played, I think, or where he only totaled four uh, four rush attempts, leaving that game early. Um, but I think the argument that uh, the the half point or the full point PPR settings really benefits Swift is true. But I think going into next year, we may have to uh, approach that with caution and really dial back our expectations. Because uh, Swift went down in week four, uh, week. 12, I believe. Correct. And starting in week 13, that is when we saw the sun God emerge in Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, starting in week 13, he had 12 targets. Week 14, 12 targets. Week 15, 11. 16, he had 11. 17, he had 11. And 18, he had 10. Um, each of those weeks, he had about two uh, fewer uh, uh, receptions than he had targets. So around eight or nine receptions per game over that stretch of time. Um, so, you know, taking in the emergence of St. Brown, uh, them bringing in who I believe was the best receiver uh, in this year's rookie class in Jameson Williams, granted he's going to be a gone or away until probably late October, early November. Um, also bringing in DJ Chark, who, even though he's a bit of a depressed fantasy asset at this time, I think uh, he might really fit well into that system and take the top off of defenses. And then they still have uh, Hawkinson. So I think they have really added to their, their war chest of offensive weapons. And I think they may be in a position where they don't have to lean as heavily on Swift next year as they has, or sorry, as they have had to previously. Armin, counter rebuttal. Final All right. So I, uh, looking at that, that chest that they've built up there, um, I think those receivers in, eat into each other rather than into DeAndre Swift. Um, if anything, it might actually make DeAndre Swift a little bit more efficient because there's more weapons around him that the defense is, doesn't have, is, isn't able to key in on him 
as much as they might want to. Um, it might also mean um, that this offense being new and improved and hopefully the Lions taking a step further, we'll see um, them in more positive game script more often um, than they were last year, which should also increase Swift's uh, touches per game and, and just backfield touches in general. Um, and then uh, I, I was kind of looking at some of the guys that are ranked in the 2022 rankings on Fantasy Pros. Um, above him, he's ranked in as RB8 on there. Um, and all I have to do is take out three guys um, from that. And I already talked about Eckler. Um, and the other two that I want to talk about there are um, uh, Christian McCaffrey and then uh, Joe Mixon. So CMC, I say it all the time, I don't think he is going to be that top tier fantasy asset anymore. Um, when he's on the field, he produces, but um, he has been struggling for the last two years to, to be on the field and his body is just broken down from how many touches he got in his first few years in the league. And then uh, uh, Mr. Joe Mixon there, um, I just haven't seen enough out of him to convince me that he is uh, going to outproduce Swift um, in that offense in Cincinnati. They they're not a run-heavy offense. They they like to aerate it, and um, Mixon um, kind of gets left on the back burner a lot when you watch their games. Uh, he does produce fantasy points, but he's never uh, an elite guy. So um, if Swift is getting the touches and the opportunity and potentially able to be more efficient due to a better team and better offense in Detroit, um, I think it's it's easy to conceive him having a great season this year. Oh, well, Armin, Joe Mixon had the third most rush attempts in the league this year. They rely on Joe Mixon. My goodness. No, the, I yeah. In the first half of the season, it was very very much Joe Mixon territory, but it did dwindle towards the end once they started airing out with Joe with uh, Joe Burrow more. Right, his 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 carries reduced pretty significantly with the last four games yeah and that playoff run as well he didn't see very many touches but the, the counter argument to that too is that he was catching the ball a lot more too <laughs> but <laughs> regardless um so obviously i'm leaning a little bit more to Armin's side um zach does make a lot of very good comments and very good counter uh counter suggestions just you know obviously be more cautious like we're saying, you know, I, I think he could be this good. It doesn't mean I'm going to go draft him as the, the RB5, but I do believe that he has a lot of upside. And the one argument that I think was maybe made to both sides was that the Detroit Lions offense is going to be better. Uh, and just in that sense that, you know, a better offense, you want guys that are going to be a part of good offenses. And I see that the Lions are going to be a good offense this year. So when they have one of the top offensive lines in the NFL, so that's where I'm going to want to gravitate to those, so those running backs that have really good offensive lines, but um, you know, maybe we all don't agree necessarily on this take, but one thing that we all three can uh, agree on is that 22 Fresh is not only visually appealing, but it's also comfortable to wear and now affordable for you at home as well. So with our partnership with 22 Fresh, uh, you folks at home are benefiting on that one as well. So next time you go to check out on 22fresh.com, 
insert into that discount code uh, 306-FFB15, and you at home can wear 22 fresh just the same as us, but you're going to be getting 15% discount on checkout. So your partnership is just as good as our partnership. 306 Fantasy Football is giving you 15% off on your checkout at 22fresh.com. So check them out online and be ready for that big summertime drop coming soon. All right, so now going on to the next one here, we have Zach's take, and Armin and I will be arguing both ends of the stick on this one here. So Zach, why don't you tee us up with the information we need to know, and then we'll get at it. So my hot take here today is that in 2022, uh, by the sum of their parts, the Kansas City passing attack will be more productive than it has been the past couple of seasons. So in uh, 2021, uh, their top wide receivers were Hill, Pringle, Hardman, and then tight end obviously was Kelsey. Um, this year, they have lost Hill and they have lost Pringle, uh, but they have gained Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, as well as Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, quickly becoming the all-hyphen team, um, as well as drafting Skymore in the second round. Um, Hill being the, the obvious loss to their offense, um, with Hill going to Miami, they are giving up just short of 160 targets, um, 111 receptions, uh, just over 1,200 yards receiving, and nine touchdowns. Um, so what do you guys think? Even with the loss of Hill, do you think their additions will be able to uh, not only fill in the gap, but possibly surpa uh, surpass the production that they have had previously? I'm going to let Armin go first. All right. Um, so their, their biggest loss was Tyreek Hill. And, and that is a huge loss to try and make up for. And I think Zach worded this really well with the sum of their parts. And that is how you replace that production of Tyreek Hill is it's not with one guy, it's with multiple guys. And because you are replacing them with multiple guys that are talented, um, it makes it harder on the defense to really know um, who is going to be the guy any given week. And that's what I'm seeing with looking at those three starting receivers in Juju, Hardman, and MVS is that um, it's going to be tough to really know who Patrick Mahomes is going to be wanting to, to target. And then you throw in a little bit of Sky Moore um, and – a guy I really like um, that is a dark horse candidate here, Justin Ross. Um, they picked him up. I, I believe they signed him as a free agent after the draft. UDFA. But yeah, but at one point he, before he had his uh, his spinal surgery, he he was touted as a first round talent in the NFL, and and he is a first round talent. He just no one's ever played or come back from this injury and played in the NFL before. Um, not because it's such a bad thing. It was fused spinal, um, fused spines <laughs> in his neck, but uh, um, it just, it doesn't happen that often. So we don't know. Um, we've never had the opportunity to see that. So it's just unknown waters that, uh, that Kansas City is going in with him. So 
they got five good receivers, not to mention Josh Gordon. If, if he can play, he, he could be a, a talent as well. Um, and then teams, I, I said at the beginning, they won't know which receiver Mahomes is going for. Well, they're going to be trying to take out Travis Kelsey um, then, and that means more room for those receivers to, to do their work. Well, um, that list you just gave me was like the uh, island of misfit toys. Um, you piece together five piles of crap. It doesn't matter. It's still a pile of crap. Uh, Tyreek Hill is definitely one of the best football players or one of the best wide receivers in, in the game. <clears throat> and he's also one of the fastest football players in the game. So all the guys you listed off, um, MVS maybe not as much as the others, but Sky Moore has been touted as an underneath route runner with quick hands slant type player. We've seen enough seasons of Juju Smith-Schuster to know that he is an underneath slant type quick hit wide receiver. Travis Kelsey is not a field stretcher. He is the secondary option underneath routes. So you are lacking in that offense, somebody that is able to take the top off to stretch out the defenses. So without that capability, teams are able to cheat and come underneath. All you have is an assortment of maybe washed up or unproven talent that uh, that really comes together on underneath routes. So that means teams are going to be very aggressive and you'll be able to jump those routes. It's going to be tough for guys like Travis Kelsey because you don't have the field stretcher to open up that space for you to find. Like he's He's one of the best tight ends in the game. He is a Hall of Famer, and he just has a way of getting open. When the play breaks down, he finds that spot. But the, you don't have time to find those spots if the play breaks down because you don't have the open space in the field. So that's my one argument, number one. You need somebody to take the top off. That's a legitimate threat to be able to give you those quick hitters underneath type routes to be able to stretch those defenses out. And we've seen that defenses in the past against Kansas City have had to be really, really, really creative because they have to run those two over top on Tyreek because he could take it to the house at any moment. Uh, my secondary uh, argument is, and right now in um, in fantasy football, look, especially we're starting to get close to redraft here, everybody is is down on Patrick Mahomes. Okay, Patrick Mahomes last year finished as quarterback number four. He also finished as quarterback number four on yards passed. So if you are saying that you are in on the passing offense of the Kansas City Chiefs, then you also have to be in on Patrick Mahomes. But we just finished doing our um, our fantasy feud and coming back from the judgment of a lot of our fans that they did not believe that Patrick Mahomes was going to be a top end quarterback. The, the range was between quarterback three and I think it was to even outside the top seven. So if you're in on the Kansas City passing options, that means you're in on on Patrick Mahomes. And we're seeing the trends, especially in best ball right now, where uh, Patrick Mahomes has been a historical second round maybe towards the early third round draft pick where now he's slipping into the fourth, maybe even fifth or later round in single quarterback redraft. So that means as a community, most people are out on the the passing offense of the Kansas city chiefs other than um, Travis Kelsey, because he is a substantial difference maker um, at the position. Now, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. There's no arguing that, but there's a reason when you look at the remaining options, that there is no uh, no guy being highly drafted in that regard. So that's my 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 counter argument to Armand. All right, both of you guys raised really good points. Um, 
Armin, you, you, uh, you raised all the points that I would have raised myself. Um, but I do appreciate what you said, Jordan, about uh, the community itself uh, being down on, on Patrick Mahomes and how if you are down on Patrick Mahomes, you in turn are likely down on the, the passing options. Um, but I think for me at least, uh, two names really stand out in terms of uh, being contributors to the, to the Kansas City offense. Uh, one of them has been somebody that I believe a lot of people have forgotten about. And another one is somebody that not many people know of at all. The one that many people have forgotten about is Juju Smith. He missed almost all of, if not all of, last season. Uh, but in 2020, he had just shy of 100 receptions, 831 yards, and nine touchdowns. He is somebody that has shown over the course of his career, well, maybe not a elite dynamic wide receiver one, he does have the, the capacity, the capability of being a, a team's, uh, you know, 1A or 1B. 1B to Travis Kelsey, who is the 1A there in Kansas City, is not a bad spot for Juju to be in. Um, he doesn't have somebody like Antonio Brown to really occupy defenses, but I think in that position, he will still be in, an, uh, in a spot where he's able to put up similar numbers to what he did in 2020. Um, somebody that I think a lot of people don't know about is Sky Moore coming out of central or central or western Michigan. Western um, Michigan. Yeah, coming from the MAC, uh, uh, a school, uh, Michigan, there that's produced several uh, wide receivers in the past couple of years. Uh, and I believe Sky Moore has big play potential out of the slot. Uh, does any of that information possibly change either of yours, uh, either of your minds on this? I, uh, it doesn't change much, but I will give the, the two cents that out of the names that have been provided, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is one of the ones that I am interested in, just strictly based on ADP. Uh, if he's kind of sliding down the board a little bit, he does have significant upside uh, and somebody is, well, you would hope one person's going to step up my concern is that it's going to be a sprinkle effect. So for fantasy wise, that maybe, you know, you might not be as interested other than like I mentioned, Travis Kelsey, uh, but looking at ADP right now, um, we have, Oh, I just scrolled too far. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is the first one uh, out of the cluster as wide receiver. It's this half point PPR as wide receiver, 36 uh, overall 82 uh, in ADP right now, then sliding down to wide receiver 53 and 130 off the board is MVS. And then even further down uh, is Sky Moore at 61 and 175 overall. So um, I think that is probably the order that they will be drafting. Obviously, that's at ADP right now, predominantly best ball. Um, Juju is a guy that I think I would be a little bit more interested in because he is a pos uh, possessional guy. He's very like, you know, Deontay Johnson type where he's going to, if you're in PPR or half point PPR formats, he's going to nickel and dime you enough to be great. But I just don't see that significant upside like I would have had like a guy like Tyreek where that would have really really excited me about this passing offense so I still think I'm a little bit stubborn in where I was at but I do agree with you the fact that if there is somebody I'm going to take a gamble on I, I do think it would be Juju Smith-Schuster as the fact that you know I tried trading for him in the offseason from you in Dynasty so <laughs> you have that information beforehand all right I, I'm gonna have my rebuttal here um so 
Jordan, you said there's nobody to take the top off the defense like Tyreek Hill. And you know what? He is the best at taking the top off the defense. There's no denying that. But that doesn't mean that you can't have other players available that can take the top off the defense. And Hardman and MVS are both four, three, 40 yard runners. They're both really fast. Um, so instead of just having one guy that can take it off, defenses don't know who's going to be the deep threat each play. I think my I think my actual words was a serious threat over the top because both of the guys <laughs> you just listed have good speed, but are also historical dropsies. Well, I mean, let the defense test them then, and uh, if if they get the catch, then they know they have to cover them more, right? Um, you get Zach's dog to run a forty-two just because the dog's fast doesn't mean he's going to catch the football. Hey, you, you got to honor him at least with somebody on him, right? It means that you 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 can stretch the field still. They can still stretch the field. And it sounds like Patrick Mahomes is a good deal at his ADP then. Um, I I don't think any of them are going to perform as well as Tyreek Hill. Like none of them are going to put up the same fantasy points and the yardages as Tyreek Hill. But the, the big thing was is that those three wide receivers as a sum are going to be better than the, the passing attack from from Kansas city last year. So the three, three receivers or four or whatever, how many deep you want to go in their depth chart were last year. And, um, after Tyree kill, and I know this is again, hurting Hardman here. Um, there, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, offense going on. Um, but we know Juju can put up, uh, put up yardage and, uh, Hardman and MVS can, can surprise teams here and there too right so uh, i i'm still in on it and uh you know you when you don't know who's going to be the best wide receiver like i was saying at the beginning and and you did talk about this too as teams are going to key in on kelsey there and take away that underneath stuff on them and it's going to be easier if there's no hill um taking the top off as much but then if teams are gambling that way then i i really think that with two guys that are burners, um, you, you will have the option to get the ball down the field. And Mahomes is accurate enough to, to at least put the ball into those guys' hands um, and hope they catch it. <laughs> I would be, yeah, I, I maybe would have bought into the argument a little bit more if you went anywhere other than McCall Hardman as 83 targets and 59 receptions in 17 games last season. So you kind of lost me a little bit there when you're putting your eggs in the Hardman basket, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, not all in the Hardman basket. <laughs> oh man. I just, Oh, Hardman is so, what a disappointment he was. They thought they were drafting him to replace Tyreek a few years back and oh boy. But any, hey. uh, what do you want to share your, your thoughts there, Zach, before we move on to the, the next one? Um, I, I got to go with Armin. Like almost everything he said would have been in my, in my argument. Um, like I think we've all said it, but I'll say it myself. Um, nobody on this list is going to replace uh, Tyreek Hill and what he brought to this offense. You'd be very hard pressed to find anybody in the, the N in the NFL that could re replicate what Tyreek Hill um, has meant to this offense. But I think by their some of their parts, they will be a more well-balanced offense. Um, I don't have any stats to back this up, but being the Chiefs, um, they were on prime time quite a bit the past several years. 
Um, so I've watched a number of a number of their games, and it seems like a few times a game, Mahomes just rips it deep from his asshole and just, yeah, Tyreek Hill, he's down there somewhere and just hopes, <laughs> you know, yep. because who else do they have to to threaten defense with outside of him and Kelsey? Um, now they have, you know, three players that have started, uh, you know, big games in the NFL. Uh, even though, you know, maybe Hardman isn't a, a dependable guy, but he is somebody that has played in big games. Uh, MVS has been Rogers, you know, number two receiver for a number of years. And Juju has played in some big games with uh, the Steelers. And I think Sky Moore, if he wins that slot job and pushes uh, Juju to the outside, um, watch out for Sky Moore. The sky's the limit. Um, yeah. The past couple, yeah, grown. The past couple of years, rookie receivers that have played out of the slot, uh, Waddle, sixty-two percent, uh, Elijah Moore, or, yeah, Elijah Moore, thirty-five percent, Justin Jefferson, thirty-two percent, C.D. Lamb, thirty-two percent. All of them played predominantly out of the slot, and uh, they all had really big rookie seasons. And I think that could be similar production for Sky Moore if he is out of the slot at least a third of the time like those uh, four guys were. Could let that uh, sky's the limit joke over mm-hmm. there. That was pretty good. <laughs> One of those. Um, the old, I, I hope Skymore doesn't win that job right away because I do think Juju's going to be more effective out of the slot. That's where he was more effective when he was with Pittsburgh as well. But um, yeah, I, there's, it's, oh man, it's hard. And the one thing to consider before we move on here is we have not seen an offensive scheme where they've had to create this offensive mindset and an offensive playbook with Patrick Mahomes and without Tyreek Hill. We have not seen that yet. Um, so, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is <laughs> so far right now, if his career ended right now on the trajectory it's on, he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like he's very, very good. And he's very, very creative. And obviously have a creative mindset um, with Andy Reid there as well too. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. Uh, are they going to be a continuation of same, same and just plug and play, or is it going to be a totally new scheme? So that's, you know, we haven't seen it yet. Right. It's, so we could argue as much as we want. You know, like I said, you can't, we're not replacing them. And we all agree. You're not replacing them, but how creative is Andy Reid going to get to be able to get that ball into the various hands uh, that we're arguing here. So I'll, I'll end it on that one, I guess. But the last one we hear is uh, Armin's Armin's take here. And then we'll wrap her up with a hot take. All right. So uh, mine was more they kind of had to choose their own adventure almost. Um, there were 2,000-yard receivers from last year that are very similar to each other. And by new, I mean this was the first time they, they hit that 1,000-yard mark. And I'm wondering from you two guys, which one of them is the real deal and which one is the pretender? So who, who's going to be the repeatable? Because that's in fantasy what we want, right? We want to be able to see that repeatable production year after year. Um, and we don't want to see a guy that's yinging and yanging or has one good season and then is done. So Mike Williams and, and Hollywood Brown. I wanted to bring in Michael Pittman on this one, um, but I couldn't find a good comparable for him that was um, – because in my mind, Pittman is a pretty good lock as a, as a good receiver in the NFL that's going to be able to be sustained success. Um, so I couldn't find a guy that I, I thought was a breakout from last year that um, was similar to him. So instead, it's Williams and Brown. You want to go first, Zach, or you want me to go first? 
Uh, I can go first. Sure, go ahead. Alrighty. So, uh, I will preface this uh, by saying that I believe both of these guys um, will be, or can be, and will be uh, repeat members of the 1,000-yard club. Um, I think they're both really ascending talents in this league. Uh, but I, I am most excited for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, last season, he had career highs in uh, targets, 146, and receptions, 91, as well as receiving yards with 1,008. Um, coincidentally, though, the fewest touchdowns of his season or of his career. Um, during the NFL draft in, in April, he was traded from Baltimore to uh, Arizona where he was reunited with his college quarterback, Kyler Murray. Um, Brown went from one uh, mobile, at times, run-first quarterback to another. So I don't believe the quarterback change is going to be overly uh, dramatic. Um, But I will say the receiving room in Arizona is going to look a lot different this year than it has in the past. Christian Kirk is gone, and so are his 103 targets and 77 receptions and 982 uh, receiving yards. And DeAndre Hopkins will be gone for six games uh, to start this season, which means there is a strong likelihood that Kyler Murray is going to be leaning on his old buddy from Oklahoma at least early on in the season. Uh, which will get them off to a hot start, which I believe will continue throughout the year. I My favorite part of what you said, Zach, is that you think both these guys are going to be 1,000-yarder guys. Because I, I couldn't agree more with you. They're like, If this is one of those ones like your keep trade cut type question, it's going to be like, oh, well, this is, this is going to be a hard one, I think. But uh, I'd be, I'll preface my counter-argument with the fact that I'd be very, very pleased to have either one of them on my team. Uh, but the one I I want to talk about, obviously, was Mike Williams. And I was very fortunate that I did get him. Um, I have him in a couple dynasty positions. And uh, I'm very happy to have him move forward here because this would have been a totally different conversation if he would have re-signed somewhere else. He was a free agent going into this uh, offseason. He signed and stayed with uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers. And you've already heard my, my position on what I think of the Chargers going forward this year because of my love for Justin Herbert and the fact that I think he's going to be QB1 on the season. And to be QB1 on the season means it's going to have a big year for his offensive weapons as well. Uh, so I'm really high on Mike Williams. I'm, um, I'm even high on, well, actually, there's a lot of auxiliary pieces in that offense. Even, you know, let's say I think there's a, a little bit of a butter zone where you can even get a tight end sleeper in there too, just because I think this offense is something you want to be a part of. The fact they gamble on fourth down consistently, that's more offensive snaps that their team's going to get in comparison to other teams. So even just like little nuances that are going to help you as a fantasy manager as well. So looking at some of his statistics, uh, this was one of his first seasons where he was majority healthy. Mike Williams is a type of guy that will climb the ladder to get the ball, uh, but is the reverse of a cat. He does not land on his feet. You'll see many a times where he's coming down and he'll land on his back or his head or it's like awkwardly in his shoulder. Uh, so he has been uh, been known to miss time just because of these awkward falls. So, but this past season, uh, he has I think taken over the, uh, the 
the wide receiver one, if not before where they were one A, one B. I think he is now the A and not the B of Keenan Allen. You've seen in the past where Keenan Allen was the possession guy, the go-to, and Mike Williams was maybe the field stretcher, the big play type guy. And he still is a big play guy, but he's starting to see more and more targets and more receptions. Uh, this last year uh, was his significantly biggest year, not only for target base, but also receptions as well. Um, last year, he had 129 targets for 76 receptions in 16 games, where the next closest would have been 2019 when he had 90 targets and in 2020 he had 85. So that's just, from that, that other pinnacle of 90, uh, you're looking at, well, just about 40, uh, I guess we 39 reception or for 39 target difference, uh, which is pretty substantial, 76 receptions. And he had uh, just about 1,500 yards on those said receptions. So health is one big thing that uh, you have to be a little bit concerned about Mike, uh, Mike Williams. You could lose him at any moment just because of those big catches. Uh, but the thing I like about Mike Williams as well is um, – he is a guy that will win you the week. No, no problems. There'll be a time where, you know, he might get you those two or three points and then you're going to feel the effects of that a little bit. But at the same time, he's also a guy that can put up 35, 40 points in a week and single-handedly win you that week. So if I'm talking right now, it's drafting season for us in best ball leagues. Like this, you're playing in best ball leagues. This is kind of that time you're doing the drafts uh, before your main leagues are starting up. And Mike Williams is the type of guy that in a best ball format, I want, on my team in every single format. Uh, we haven't really talked about it much, but Scotty Fishbowl coming up right away here. Actually, a uh, listener, listener, and he was on the pod last week there. Josh Lilly actually got the invitation to be in the actual Scott Fish number 12. Uh, so he's pretty pumped about that. But that's a guy that I'd be going all in for sure on my team because he's going to single-handedly win you that week in best ball. If he has a bad week, he's on your bench. He puts up 40 points, he's plugged into your starting lineup. So, um, and he's on a good offense. I've already talked about Justin Herbert and my love for him. Um, but I kind of, well, maybe that's where I'll kind of leave it at this point. Yeah, that's kind of why I chose both of them is what you mentioned with the injury, right? Both these guys have had trouble staying healthy, staying on the field. Um, but they're both big plays waiting to happen. Um, can win you a week single-handedly with, with how explosive they are offensively. So they're very similar athletes and, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see both of them re-reach that thousand yards, um, but it's also in the realm of possibility that they, they don't. Um, uh, Jordan, does uh, Mike Williams' age um, concern you at all, considering he is, I think, three, 27. two or three years older than Hollywood? Yeah, he's 27 years old, which I'm not too concerned about, because if you're thinking from a dynasty platform or a dynasty perspective, um, a lot, you're seeing a lot of these wide receivers excel still late into their career. You're seeing guys that are 29, 30, 31. Heck, you're even seeing guys that are 33 years old be successful. That Mike Williams, unlikely at 33, seeing him be successful just because of the type of player he is. Uh, he's a contested catch type guy. He can take the top off. Um, so he's not, you know, the crisp route runner that's still going to be successful late in life. You know, he's not like the, you know, we talked about maybe earlier, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a guy that I can see having a long career because he's those quick hitters. And he is a very, very good route runner where these big body um, contested catch guys, they're <laughs> eventually you get older and young guys are going to be able to jump you. So, uh, but I do think of, as a dynasty league, you're still probably going to get a good three, maybe four, four years if you're lucky out of Mike Williams. And he's kind of just getting into that point where you're kind of getting to the peaks. A lot of these wide receivers you see kind of hit their, hit their stride around and, you know, like maybe some of their best years they'll have around that 27, 28, uh, some of them even 29 you're seeing that kind of that little butter zone 
uh, especially like tight ends. You see a lot of them kind of get so big body type guys. You see a lot of that success later in their career as well. But uh, Mike Williams wasn't a guy that, you know, he started, he wasn't a bad receiver and all of a sudden figured it out. He was a uh, first round pick seventh overall coming out of Clemson. Um, and he had success early on his second, I think it was his second year in the league. Uh, he ended up having 10 touchdowns in 2018. So uh, he, he found success early, but then just the injury bug got him. So uh, I think he's a guy that um, dynasty wise, obviously you're looking to win a championship age. Yeah. You got to factor that in consideration, but it's not like he's going to be out of the league in two years. So that, I guess that would be my, 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 my rebuttal, I guess, to the, to the age. I mean, obviously always younger is better in dynasty, right? You're going to have them for more years, but it's not like he's Julio or like, um, I'm trying to think of somebody else that's like right on the cusp of just coming out of the league. You know, Julio, he's done. You know, he was right on that, right on that brink. Um, but I still think Mike Williams has got a lot of good years in front of him. You know, I, I actually have to make one correction here. And uh, sorry, I made this mistake, but Mike Williams did have a thousand yard season in 2019. It was a thousand and one yards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Zach, <laughs> do you have anything to, to add about Brown or, or concerns about Williams at all? So, I have owned uh, both of these players in fantasy football. Um, and this offseason, I actually traded Mike Williams away uh, in a rookie draft. Um, be, my, and my, my main concern with Mike Williams is the volatility um, in his week-to-week production. Um, and that's not to say that Marquise Brown doesn't have volatile weeks because he certainly does. Um, but there'd be weeks where Mike Williams would put up 18 points and you're thinking, okay, here we go next week, 18 points. Okay. Yeah. This is like, let's make this a thing. And he puts up 30 points and you're thinking, Holy mackerel. This is, I found the, I found the gold mine. And then he follows it up with like one and a half points. And you're just like, Holy smokes. What happened? (laughs) So like there's weeks with Mike Williams where you're going to get those, middle of the road, like those 18, 19 point weeks that are just peachy keen. It's going to be a few big, big weeks where he's getting like 12, 13% of his overall production on the season in like week three, where you better start him because that's where like 13% of his production is coming from. <laughs> and then there's going to be weeks where he gets like one and a half points. Like he caught a ball and he fell forward for a yard. Like congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Like, so there's like, there's going to be weeks where he absolutely wins the weeks and there's going to be weeks where he burns you bad. And like you said, Jor, with the, with the best ball, he is made for best ball. Um, but you could obviously turn around and make the same argument right away here for Hollywood Brown, where he puts up a couple 13, 14, 15s, and then he falls on like a three and a half week. So both these guys are, are volatile. And I think you, when you become a manager for these guys, that's, that's kind of what you, you go into that knowing that you're just going to have to ride the wave and some weeks it's a boom and some weeks it's a bust. Little yeah. piece of maybe a little piece of like, uh, I just got a helpful piece of advice. I suppose these are both the guys, obviously you're not relying on to be your wide receiver ones, right? They're exactly like mentioned they're boomer bust type guys. So when you're going into your draft, if these are guys that you're really interested in acquiring and you want them on your team, you got to really pair them up with somebody that's going to like, you know, like yin and yang, right. You got to have somebody that's the reliable steady Eddie type guy. Like I'm thinking like guys earlier before him that are like the Mike Evans, the Stefan Diggs, um, even Devontae guys, Adams. Yeah. Like don't, well, he, you got to kind of pay up to get somebody like him, but 
Um, they, those are the guys that, you know, like they're very consistent. You know what you're getting week in, week out. Uh, but then you pair them with these big win, big week type guys. But you, like Zach said, you got to know there's some days where you're, you're going to feel the pains of having them on your roster. But my one final mo- comment, and then I guess, Zach, I, I can't remember if you made this comment or not, but just with, with Brown being on a new offense, historically seeing that wide receivers do struggle going to a new offense in the first season. But I'm curious to see how that's going to happen because it might break the historical trend because it's not like they don't have a connection, right? It's the same counter argument people are making about Devonta Adams uh, going over to Vegas. They're quarterbacks that they've played with before in college. So it's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see. Is it going to be a historical trend or is the connection still going to be there? And I'm actually kind of excited for it because like we said, Lamar Jackson's a runner and uh, Kyler Murray, he, he runs more to pass than to actually run. And, and you get to see him throw the ball a little bit more and make those decisions a bit more. So I could see, I, I would rather, rather buy into Brown than Williams this year, to be honest, just because that, that higher ceiling in my mind from, from Murray, it's but the, it could also be a lower floor. The unknown, you know what you're getting with Williams, but do you know what you're getting with Brown? You know, it's yeah. a gambler or are you staying at home and not going to the Nino? <laughs> we've, uh, I think we've seen that, uh, Kingsbury and uh, and Murray are able to incorporate a new receiver quite easily um, into their offense like they did uh, two or three years ago with Hopkins. Um, I don't think Hopkins missed a beat when he came to Arizona, and I don't expect Brown to miss a beat either. Um, like I don't think anybody's fooling themselves and uh, thinking the Arizona offense is a uh, a complicated offense. Uh, it's the same offense that Kingsbury ran at Texas Tech. It's um, a lot of check with me. It's really easy stuff to read from the sideline, um, from my understanding. So I think this will be just A-OK for uh, Marquise to ingratiate himself into the offense. Yeah. Okay, so we're just wrapping up here. My hot take, I'm getting ready to go. It's a Baker Mayfield one. It actually timed up perfectly here. But uh, we're just running a little bit long this week, so I'm just going to push mine into uh into the upcoming one here the two weeks from now and uh we'll just give you guys a little bit of time i told you how spicy it's going to be so i'm just giving you some time to think about it and ponder for the next two weeks to see how spicy it actually is so we're going to end now and uh and i'll push my hot take to the following week you obviously got three hot takes in a row here from this past segment so uh, i guess that'll do it here fellas anything to add before we uh shut her down for episode 52 Hey, um, I hope you guys uh, have a little burnt taste in your mouth from all these hot takes. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I know I'm, uh, I'm sweating a little bit. Right on, right on. All right, well, fellas, I guess we will see you at the wedding. Hey, that's probably the next, well, Armin, I'm sure I'll probably see you at the golf course here in the next couple of days. I'm not sure <laughs> probably get out there, but it's going to be a big time. We'll have a lot of fun here in Prince Albert coming up. But uh, everybody there, thanks for listening to episode number 52. Once again, big thanks to 22Fresh, our major sponsor of the year. And don't forget to use the promo code checkout 306FFB15. And uh, I guess on behalf of Zach, Armin, and myself with the 306 Fantasy Football team, take care, everybody, and uh, let's talk soon.